A surprising discovery has rewritten how cats became house pets, while unexpected and rapid evolution is making red foxes more like dogs. In short, an animal's path to domestication? Very complicated. From wild animals to domestic pets, an evolutionary view is helping us understand how man's best friends made their way into our homes. As the wild beasts lurking in our backyards learn to become tame, Will people start opening their doors to wild foxes like they once did with dogs? And while domestic cats are one of the most popular pets around the world, are they even fully domesticated? From why our own behavior can drastically alter the future of wild animals, to how cats made the choice to coexist with humans. The latest scientific findings reveal how our favorite animals became family, and hints at the future wild creatures that could soon make their way to your living room. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about a study on urban foxes that offers new clues about animal domestication. After spending vast amounts of time with humans, city-dwelling red foxes in London are starting to become more like house pets than wild animals. Our second story is about how cats originally came to be domesticated. With new research suggesting when the relationship between humans and ancient cats began, the history of your house pet could be in for a rewrite. This is The Abstract. Look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, how rapid evolution is making red foxes a lot more like dogs in one distinct way. We have a new pet fox now. So anyway. What it's like to really live with a fox. Having a fox. As a pet. No, no, no. We're testing whether the fox likes me. Because these little guys... One day he dug a hole straight through the couch. Can be awesome. (laughs) Horrible. Hey, little guy. Beautiful. His own foxhole, huh? But these foxes, they're not for everybody. And a chorus in London sings amen. Amen. For more than a century, foxes have been taking over London. There's now one fox per every 300 people in England's capital. It appears that adapting to life around humans is actually priming some animals like these for domestication. Research says rapid evolution is making red foxes more like dogs. In just over a century, urban dwelling red foxes have developed smaller heads and shorter, wider snouts compared to foxes in rural areas. In a study published June 2020 in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society B, urban foxes also show a less extreme size difference between males and females. These foxes aren't a new species, but researchers think they have what's called domestication syndrome. Essentially, by hanging around humans so much, they're starting to become more like house pets than wild animals. This time spent in cities has led urban foxes to take on new traits, ones noticeably different from their wild counterparts after only a few generations. While the fox's evolution might not quite be there yet, And if you've seen the popular viral videos of foxes laughing and decided you simply need a pet fox. If you need a break from cat videos, search cute foxes laughing. It's a thing. It's cute. You will want a pet fox. And again, we may need evolution to do more of its thing before that can happen. Until then, here to explain exactly how this all happened and whether a pet fox is realistically in your future anytime soon is Inverse's Nina Pilato. Hey, Nina. Hi, Tanya. So I hadn't realized how prevalent these city foxes were, especially in London. Um, I understand foxes are basically taking over. What's the situation like over there? 
Yeah, I I wasn't sure before now that this was such a widespread thing really either. If anyone's a fan of the show Fleabag, these London foxes actually popped up in the second season. And there's a good reason for that. There is about one fox per every 300 people in London. So they are all over the place. So just in this last century... It looks like almost before our eyes, in a sense, there's been this rapid evolution that took place among these foxes. How, how exactly does that happen? It's really wild. Um, basically, what the authors of this study found is that when they looked at the physical traits of foxes in urban areas and in more natural forested areas, there were physiological differences between the two types of fox. The specific things they found were that the urban foxes have a shorter snout um, and they also have a bit of a smaller head and less of a difference between male and female foxes in terms of size. So the wild foxes um, that haven't been living in urban areas have a greater size difference. So this seems to just confirm what we knew about the domestication process and domestication syndrome, I guess they call it, this adapting to life around humans. Um, this exists in, in dogs and cats, but what is it essentially? These animals get used to the weird human people they're, they're forced to live with, and here we have it again with these foxes? That's exactly what they think. And that's sort of their interpretation about why there are these changes. Um, a lot of the basic environmental factors would be the same for dogs and cats, like living with humans and, uh, you know, having access to garbage and sniffing through uh, what the humans are eating. Um, and those kinds of factors can really contribute to the animals becoming more domestic. So they think there may be kind of a link here or, um, you know, a mirror situation of what happened with dogs and cats. So there's that. And then there's this other factor that you write about, um, how these rapid recent changes in these red foxes, they also demonstrate changes that are linked to just fundamental tendencies in foxes. Um, what exactly does that mean? Right. So the basic thing that a fox wants to do is eat and to feed itself. The fox is going to need to develop specific traits that match the environment it's in. So Animal evolution is often the result of random mutations. And basically, if that mutation causes something that helps the animal survive, eat, reproduce, then it sticks and they will start to adapt to have that once mutation in all of the animals. What researchers think might be happening here is that instead of a random mutation that sticks, these foxes are actually developing specific traits that help them meet the environment where it is i.e. sniff through garbage uh, with a snout that's more equipped to do that. Check out more at inverse.com for the full story. Nina, thanks so much. Thank you. With archaeological tests upending common thinking, an unexpected ancient cat discovery is rewriting the history of your house pet. While the process of how cats came to be domesticated is not entirely understood, the latest research says one thing remains very clear. Cats chose to coexist with humans, and they did so very early. Feed the cat. Don't forget to feed the cat! All right, Lois, remember to feed the cat, and remember to get a cat. I love that cat. Who let the cat out? We don't have a cat! I milked a cat once. You want to hear a story? One of the most popular family pets is more like a family member. Expecting to be fed, pet, and given complete control of your house? Quirky and independent, the domestic cat doesn't seem all that domesticated sometimes. As the famous saying goes, dogs have owners, cats have staff. 
But to humans' credit, cats did choose us to coexist with long ago. And a July 2020 study in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences examined the relationship between humans and cats in order to pinpoint exactly when they became pets. Using wild cat remains found in caves in Poland, a research team learned the road to becoming a house cat started in Europe, when Near Eastern wildcats, our house cat's ancient ancestor, followed early farmers to the continent during the Neolithic period. They found these cats were not yet fully dependent on farmers at this time, describing these cats as free-living individuals. Cats accompanied people in Central Europe for thousands of years, staying somewhere between wild and domesticated, and possibly also feral. Basically, for thousands of years, cats were more like natural allies of humans in their constant fight against rodents rather than domesticated pets. If you're the owner of a cat and feel that not much has changed since then, you're not wrong. As for when exactly these cats became house cats, still not clear. Researchers are working on that next. In the meantime, don't forget to feed the cat. It gets annoyed, after all. Joining us now with more details is Mind and Body Editor at Inverse, Sarah Sloat. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Happy to be here. So house cats are, are an interesting uh, lot because it seems like they adapt to domesticated life, but their feral nature is so obvious sometimes. The latest insight seems to mess with any conventional wisdom that cats are even fully domesticated. Are they technically? What's the word on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the idea is that they're semi-domesticated. And that's also something I love about cats and probably why other people don't like them very much is that they're not fully domesticated. Uh, they have this streak of independence. You know, when they give you that look that says, I don't really need you, it, it's also kind of true. I Yeah, I know that look. So in terms of how they became semi-domesticated, the history is fuzzy at best. What has been the widely accepted historical conclusion before this study? Yeah. So what's happening right now is that scientists are trying to work out the details of the process. But numerous studies indicate that the interaction between ancient people and wild cats, the precursor to what we think of as domesticated cats, started in the Near East. And actually, the earliest evidence that they found so far of a cat-human association was in Cyprus. Um, they found a cat and a human buried side by side. Um, that's dated, their remains dated to about 9,500 years ago. And the idea is that this ancient relationship between humans and cats ignited semi-domestication, a process that coincided with the agricultural village development in the Fertile Crescent. And eventually, the descendants of five wild cat breeds spread across the planet, and now they live in your apartment. Yeah. So it came down to these ancient wildcat bones that they found in the Near East. They pointed researchers in the right direction, and it was ultimately learning what these cats ate that ended up helping us understand how domestication came about? Yes. So we think human-cat relationships started in the Near East, and then they migrated with humans across the world. This study zeroes in on cat remains in Poland that are dated to about 4,200 to 2,300 BCE and are indicative of that journey westworld. You know, what these scientists really wanted to discover was how did cat domestication in Europe happen? 
And while you could tell what a modern animal eats by examining their stomach or their scats, you don't have that option with ancient remains. And that poses a challenge because understanding what an animal eats is key to understanding whether or not it's actually domesticated. You know, it's previously been assumed that it was the exploitations of rodents, this diet of rats as a source of easily accessible food that was really responsible for cat domestication. You know, rats follow farmers and cats follow rats. This pattern is actually described as synanthropic behavior, and that's when an animal benefits from an association with a human. So what does that give us? So we have bones, and what bones can offer are stable isotopes, and these are variants of chemical elements in biological material, like carbon or nitrogen. And amazingly, an analysis of stable isotopes can reveal the average diet of an animal during long intervals of its lifespan. So that's what they look for in these remains specifically. So does this make clearer in terms of how our actual relationship with cats started, you know, how we eventually started to like each other? Yeah. So they also compared the stable isotopes found in the remains of other animals dated to the same time period, including the rodents. And the, this analysis found that human agricultural activity had already altered the stable isotope ratios of rodents, but these Near East wildcats had not gone through the same level of transition. You know, they could see that they did dine on rats, but their isotope ratios were still very similar to the European wildcat, suggesting that, you know, they followed the farmers, but they weren't fully dependent on the farmers. And this the scientists describe these cats as, quote, free living individuals. They, meaning, you know, they weren't pets at this point in the timeline. It seems to highlight the difference between cat-human coexistence versus dependency. Is that the important distinction here? Not so much that they need us, but they're willing to tolerate us. Definitely. At least in this journey towards trying to discover in Europe, you know, when did they exactly become pets? Because what this study indicates is that cats accompanied people in Central Europe for thousands of years, staying somewhere between wild, domesticated, and also possibly feral. You know, I, I got this lovely quote from the study author where she said, you know, for millennia, cats were only natural allies of humans in their constant fight against rodents rather than domesticated pets. But technically, the timeline is still fuzzy, right? We, we still don't know exactly when these cats became house cats. That's still some missing piece of this puzzle. Yeah. And, and why it's a mystery is also something, in turn, a reason that I think cat-human relationships are very cool. Because it's not exactly clear when cats in Europe became pets, but cats became pets in different parts of the world at different times. You know, I think it's very charming that people who were not connected geographically still wanted wild cats to be around them a bit more and were lenient towards having these fuzzy guys around, you know. And, and when the cats in this study were close to being domesticated, um, at the same time, cats were already living as pets in ancient Egypt. And so what scientists want to figure out now is like the precise timeline, because right now it's pretty scattered. Yeah, I think every cat owner gets this and feels this. It all kind of makes sense. Really interesting study. You can read more about it at inverse.com. In the meantime, Sarah, thanks. My pleasure. Thank you. 
Head to Inverse.com to read about the latest science on the domestication of animals. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you believe that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at Inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.